0: Today is uh, Palm Sunday. I never had, Today's sermon is not about Palm Sunday, although today is. Palm Sunday is a sad day to me. And I think that a lot of times the way the text is preached when we talk about Palm Sunday is it's preached as, as a celebration. And in point of fact, the crowd that threw down the branches and their clothing on the ground for Jesus to come in on were really totally misunderstanding who he was. And, and so, in a way, Palm Sunday is really this great misunderstanding about who Messiah was, what he was going to do. And I think there's a, a little bit of, of tragedy and pathos in that parade, as it were, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. We're, uh, we're coming down to uh, the end of Jesus' life. Um, if you look in, the, uh, in our text today and in the other Gospels, uh, we're, we're at the point at which Jesus goes into the city. Has experiences with the Pharisees and ultimately is, is judged in a kangaroo trial and, and dies, of course. Today, the text is about Jesus going to Bethany. Bethany is this little town that is two miles east of Jerusalem, it's in the direction of the Dead Sea, two miles east. The name means House of Affliction. Wouldn't you love to live in a town named the House of Affliction? Mm -hmm. The Dead Sea Scrolls describe the location in Bethany of a house of poverty. And the house of poverty was designed to house people with diseases who were considered to be unclean and with whom you could not associate because you would be unclean. So this included lepers, people with other sorts of of illnesses. By the way, on the 15th, I've got this in my cell phone because I I just don't want to forget it. There was... A priest who went to Molokai, Hawaii to live with lepers. And on April 15th he died of leprosy. And the thing that was significant to me about his life was that uh, he had lived as a non-leper among all these lepers. And one day when providing the Eucharist to his church, his pronouns changed, and he said, we lepers, and everybody in the church knew at that moment that he, he had really, in the fullest sense of the word, become one of them. Uh, his name was Father Damien, and I think he really understood and captured the spirit of Jesus. He knows what Jesus is about, and that is becoming one with the people that he sought to be with and sought to to help. Well, in Bethany, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. Uh, Mary and Martha, the two women that You find in the company of Jesus, listening to what Jesus says, attending to what he teaches, Lazarus is their brother, and Lazarus is the one that died. And Jesus Jesus is called by the family, please come, please heal our brother, he's very, very ill. Jesus says, no need to hurry. Not what you want to hear, is it, when your loved one's dying? And so Lazarus does in fact die. Jesus then goes to Bethany. Sisters say, "Lord, why didn't you hurry? Why didn't you come when we called you?" And at that point, Jesus calls Lazarus forth from the grave. It's a great story, and that was in Bethany as well. And then there's this guy named Simon. Simon's he's called Simon the leper. Uh, probably because he had lived long enough with leprosy that he, he came to be identified with leprosy. We don't know at this point if he has it, if he's been cured of it. We don't know. But it's at his house that this occurs. And it's really not surprising, is it, to find Jesus in the company of people like this. Lepers. People who live on the edge of society. Really, I think Jesus was more at home in the house of affliction than he was in other places. You know, there he finds an audience of people who want to be with him and enjoy what he has to say and takes it to heart. But he goes into Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, this is Matthew 23. You that stone the prophets and kill those who, sent, who are sent unto you. How often I would have gathered you under my wings the way a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. What a difference. What a difference in spirit between these two places. To all the Pharisees who condemn Jesus for keeping company with them, Jesus says, Those who are well, meant sarcastically by the way, have no need of a physician. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. So you can sort of see him say, I came to call the sinners, wink, wink, as he looks at these self-righteous Pharisees. Bethany was Jesus' kind of place. Well, as I said earlier, we don't really know anything about his condition at the time. Perhaps he was healed, perhaps not. But hanging around lepers and people like that had socially strenuous implications. So in Leviticus 13, it says, The person who has a leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head be disheveled, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! Wouldn't you hate to, to have that sort of relationship with your community? I mean, imagine walking down Main Street of Merced going, Unclean! Unclean! And not being permitted to comb your hair and look presentable. But that was what they did. It was the way that they protected the society. It sounds cruel, but it was the way that they protected their society from disease. They didn't have the the cures and the sort of things that we have today. Being in Bethany at a leper's house was the sort of thing that, that drove Pharisees crazy. Religious leaders hated this. And it was not uncommon to hear them say something like, well, if you were who you claim to be, you'd not be hanging out with people like that. That's what Jesus would say. But incredible things happen when Jesus hangs out with folks like that. Luke says that Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector and really belonged in that group, tax collectors were hated people. They were hated by the Jews because they collaborated with the Roman government and the Jews hated the Roman government. Tax collectors collected the money for Rome. And by the way, they got to bump the amount that they collected And that went into their own pocket. So not only were you paying a tax to the Roman government, who the Jews hated, but you were also giving this corrupt tax collector some money as well. Zacchaeus, when he sits down with Jesus, and here's what Jesus has to say, repented of all that dishonest debt that, uh, wealth that he had extracted from people. And, get this, paid it back four times the amount owed. That's conversion, you know it? That is conversion. And see, this is one of those people that the, the Pharisees hated. They hated Zac- Zacchaeus and people like him. Mark says that Levi, who was another tax collector, closed the door on his tax booth and followed Jesus. And not only that, he invites all his friends and throws this big party. And guess who's there? Say it who's there? Jesus. Jesus loved a good party. Not with the Pharisees. That was not his kind of folks. You know, That was not the folks that would get what Jesus was trying to say. Some think that the woman who anointed Jesus was Mary from Bethany. In fact, if you, if you read uh, John 12, 1 through 8, you'll have the same story, but it actually says it's Mary from Bethany. Well, a chapter or so before is the story of Lazarus being raised. And so it, it kind of makes sense. You know what? She's so grateful for her brother coming back to life. She's so grateful for what Jesus has brought to her that that she is just moved to this generous thing that she does. Well, the story is a story in contrast. Uh, You have Judas, who we'll talk about in a minute, Judas versus the woman. Judas is standing in the back of the room sneering at what is going on. There's penury, there's stinginess, there's greed versus the generosity of the woman. Real contrasts. Matthew says the woman came into the room with an alabaster jar. I don't. Know. Were you able to get it? Uh, I I wanted you to see that. There's one uh, picture of an alabaster jar. That's the opening right there, and you notice it's translucent. Light shows through it. The other one, uh, another version. Uh, alabas- alabaster is, I think, pretty soft so that you could carve it into things like this but it's also translucent so that light comes through it and this is what she carried all this uh, ointment in. There's one more. Uh, Did you see that other one? Do the next one. Um, I wanted just for you to visualize what this looked like. I mean we don't know exactly what it looked like. No one had a Polaroid of the moment. but imagine what it looked like as she attends to him thanks, Rich um, and, and so generously pours out this expensive ointment called NARD in ARD. Uh, the value was approximately a year's salary. Now, I don't, you know, if, if you took a year's salary then, I don't know if it would, you know, I don't know if you could legitimately say it's equal to a year's salary today. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But if you think in those terms, think about something that would have cost in today's dollars $30,000, $50,000, $75,000, whatever it is. Can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine taking something like that and dumping it all out in one act? Uh, it, was, it was really wasteful, if you think in, in practical terms. Why on earth would you want to do that, Lord? Couldn't you just dab your finger in the ointment and put a little bit on his forehead? The whole thing? Um, I'm I'm thankful to Rich for singing the song that uh, he sang to us today. The alabaster jar is all I have of worth. Lord, it's less than you deserve. You're far more beautiful, more precious than the oil. The sum of my desires and the fullness of my joy. Like you spilled your blood, I spill my heart as an offering to my king. Don't you know that really summarizes the way that she felt and why she did what she did on that day? Um, She she grasps the magnitude of the moment. A Zacchaeus would have grasped it. Uh, um, A Levi would have grasped it. A Mary would have grasped it. They would have understood. They would have said, yes, I get it. I know what you are worth, and I think that the woman, really Mary or who, whatever her name is, offers a model of what putting Jesus first looks like. Uh, I don't think most Americans. I think we're we're so spoiled, myself included. I. You know, we just let so many other things slip in front of Jesus in our lives, don't we? What would this story have looked like, do you think, if she had had something else that she considered to be more important? You know, maybe she would have said, you know, I'm, I'm saving for this thing that I really want to do. I... You know, that's, that's what she would have done, right? But that's not the way she thinks. I remember when my son gave our daughter-in-law her, her ring. He didn't have the money for the ring that he bought her. You know, practical dad wanted to go, what are you thinking? But that's not the way this woman thinks. It's not the way she thinks. Based on Matthew's commentary, there seems to have been no one else in the room except maybe Simon the leper and his friends who would have grasped the significance of this. Especially Judas. You know, Judas is really... Judas is pretty slimy. If you read what... John says about this event. Judas is in the back of the room and, and he's got his calculator out. Or, no, actually smartphone. <laughs> and he he's going, do you realize what just happened here? Do you just realize what kind of money we're talking about here? This could have been Sold. We could have made a lot of money off this ointment. We could have given it to the poor. And he's trying to sound all noble until we find out that he really skims money off the top of the kitty. It's really about Judas. If worship was cheap for Judas, so was the betrayal because right after this event, Judas goes out to betray, to to talk to the religious leaders and say, I'm your man, I'll show you who he is, I'll deliver the kiss, and they give him uh, 30, 30 silver coins, a paltry amount of money, nothing like what this woman has just spent for Jesus and her generosity, which is often how we humans measure our commitments. We, we never go whole hog. We always kind of hold back. Um, I found um, there's a poem that I have used before that I, I really love. It's, it's by a man named Wilbur Reese, R-E-E-S. Um, he's dead now, I think. But he says, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, Please. Not enough to explode my soul or um, disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beats with a migrant worker. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper bag. I would like to buy three pounds of God, please. Don't we do that? Jesus believed that the woman's generosity would be iconic. And that's how we talk about her. Whenever this woman, whoever she was, Mary or whoever she was, whenever we talk about her, we always go, wow! And she is iconic. Same way we talk about Mother Teresa. Same way we talk about Nelson Mandela. Same way I talk about Father Damien. People like that inspire us and and we go, yes, that's what I want to be like. But too often we just want three pounds of God. In the same way, um, this woman at Simon's house had special vision like a Mandela or a Mother Teresa. Yeah, I, I used to have a poem, and I've never been able to find it since the first time I used it. And it was about a little grandchild that wanted a pair of glasses like uh, his or her grandmother. And the reason they wanted a pair of glasses like them is because they believed that those glasses gave their grandmother special vision. So that that she was able to, to see compassionately, she was able to see generously and lovingly toward her grandchildren and everybody else, and they want a pair of gl- glasses like that. And this woman had those glasses. And by contrast, Judas could not see any of those things. All he saw was a failed life on the part of Jesus. That's all he saw when he looked at this thing that this woman did he didn't go wow he looked he went what a waste the story compels us i think to ask where would you be where would i be sitting or standing in that house would we be pressed to the front? Would we have tears running down our face? Or would we be standing in the back of the room with Judas and the rest of the disciples with the calculator going, do you realize what just happened here? The waste of this? Where would we be? Would we tut-tut the woman's waist saying, That's the most foolish thing I've ever seen in my life. Would we feel self-righteous? Or would we be broken by what we saw? Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for the incomparable kindness, love, and generosity you have shown us. Please help us to be generous as well in the wasteful way the woman was, in the way that the disciples were after they saw you risen from the grave. Please keep us from measuring our relationship to you in pieces of silver. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.